Welcome to Oakright's podcast, In The Frame. My name is Tim Crump. This series is all about your journey through self-build and how we can help you by answering any questions that you may have regarding self-build and the journey from finding a building plot all the way through to creating your dream oak-framed home. This is episode two, part two, on the topic of how to find your dream building plot. And again, I welcome Helen Needham. Thank you very much for all your information in episode two, part one. Now, here we are in episode two, part two, and this is where we really get into the detail of how to find your dream building plot and all the aspects that we and uh, yourself as a design team need to help a customer, a person who desires to find the building plot, what they need to go through and all the opportunities that are out there. So let's get stuck in. We never take the same house and build it again. We, we always amend things and adapt it to that particular client. I think my advice would be if it's a flood risk, anywhere near I wouldn't I wouldn't consider I would say working with people working with people's dreams and making them come true I think it's um, it's wonderful so what else have we got here so um, we've talked through sensitive areas Um, number four here the um, actually buying a plot with planning is a really sensible thing to do if you don't have a plot with a house or a bungalow to replace buying a plot with planning is um really the obvious thing to do there's different types of planning permission uh some will come with a full planning permission that already has a design on there um you may not like that design and not worry about that too much if the principle's there we can redesign something um beautiful for you um however within uh constraints of it going through the lo- local authority um the the other way of buying is with through a um an outline planning consent so that's actually um the the consent on there is a c3 residential use class for a dwelling um with what they call reserved matters so the technical matters and the design is to be um uh, designed uh, as late date through a full planning application, uh, a reserved matters um, application. Um, another type of planning on a site uh, you may see is quite a recent thing. Um, I think it was brought out in 2016, a planning in principle yes. or a PIP, which um, the applicant's gone in with a site location plan to say to the council, how about a house on here? Um, can can we do that? And they, they will come back with... Um, uh, uh, generally a yes or a no and um, uh, an approval. So that's, that's, that's a little more sod- solid than what we call pre-application advice, which is yeah. um, advice um, where a, an applicant goes into the council for confidential um, advice on the, the principle of a development. Okay, it's interesting. Um, I found very, uh, when you're mentioning that o- over the years that sometimes people will arrive and they say, well, I've, I've, I've bought a plot, I've got planning permission. And you look at the planning, oh, dearie me. And we know as oak framers, we can make, we can make an oak frame virtually fit anything. And I, I always say, well, we can make an oak frame virtually fit any, any style of house or any way a house has been designed. <clears throat> um, sometimes it can be too complex, too, too busy. And I say that, yes, we can make the oak frame fit, and, and, and it, but it will be complicated. But sometimes if you can simplify, simplify the oak frame, simplify the design, 
it will actually look better. Mm. Um, so, and, and then also there is the time aspect. Sometimes people say, well, I'll, I'd like to try and work with this design and make it work. Now, I, I would say then, well, if you've got time, we know we're going to get, you've got planning. So we know we're going to get planning for a house. We'd be happy to work with you to simplify the design, streamline the design, make the design work, work as more of an, uh, an, an interesting but good-looking oak-framed house, a clean lines, the country contemporary feel, as we, as we call it with the post and beam, nice glazed windows looking onto the view. But that takes time, doesn't it? So planning. So even though you've got planning, if you've got the time, then we would always prefer to go back to plan to, to really design it. Because if you would like an oak-framed house, we'd like to design an oak-framed house for you rather than try and make our oak frame work to design that you've got. Unless, of course, that design does work really well, and sometimes it does, but quite often it doesn't. So in that, in that, in that, that time or in those instances, it's better if you have the time give us the time to go back to planning for you, isn't it, really? Absolutely. I think um, when you're buying a plot, what's really important is to look at that planning decision notice. So if there is full planning or outline planning on that site, um, it will come with a standard condition to start the planning within three years of the, the uh, determination date, the, the, the decision date. Um, so it's really, really, it's prudent to check that date to make sure that if you do go through that redesign process that you're within those timescales. Or it could be the, the current site vendor has already implemented that planning permission and it's the, the clock started ticking anyway. So it's best to do, do your checking there. Um, yes. And again, a, a, a designer um, or architect should be able to help you in that sense. Yes. Um, another uh, type of uh, way of buying um, another type of plot is um, actually plots within a garden. So it could be that you have a house with a really large garden that you no longer want to tend to as much. Um, or it could be that you're, you're in an area and you see a really large garden and you, you see a possible opportunity for perhaps an infill house. So you could approach the owners in that way. So don't don't uh, discount that garden um, development. It it could be. Well, I think as... certainly if you're if you think of downsizing is good, isn't it? Because yes. if you, and, and again, if you could buy the house, um, possibly with an outline in the garden, or buy a house with a large garden, a bit more of a risk. And if you can gain the planning in a garden, you need to look at how the whole layout of the area is. Uh, but the great thing with that is if you if you live in the house and you then gain planning permission in the garden is the capital gains because you're moving from your principal residence into a new principal residence. So you do not pay the capital gains, which is quite good, isn't it? And that, and yes. that can work well. And quite often, if you're looking for it in a village situation or somewhere like that, you might find a large garden. Some of the houses will have larger gardens on the outskirts of the village. And if you can gain a building plot in the garden, and that is if you would if you would like to be in a village setting where you're close, better walking distance of the pub and the churches within the village and perhaps a school for the children or whatever, that can work very well, can't it? It's a, yeah, it's a, it is a great um, a great way of uh, finding a building plot. And there's a lot as you drive through towns and villages, you you spot them where where that where actually a, a house would sit beautifully and uh, within within a streetscape or a village scape. So it's really worth not da discounting that option. Um, another option I've listed here is a, a um, agricultural buildings are uh, there is policy to um, potentially convert those into into a C3 residential use. Um, there's a, a type of planning um, application called a Part Q prior approval. 
um, application where you you have to meet a, a list of criteria, and it's quite a long list. There's um, and a specialist um, designer. We we can help you with that um, kind of application. So um, say there's a barn, for example, um, it has to be structural. It still has to be an agricultural use. Um, very importantly, not equestrian use. I think it's pre-2013 uh, structure, um, but there's a, a tick list of criteria that we work through and, and, and that could be become a conversion. There have been some. There was the, the one um, project recently where we had a case study on where the lady had gained Park Q on a barn and then been able to convince the council once she gained the Park Q to convert the barn that it would be actually better to rip the barn down and design a new house. Now yes. that's a little bit more unusual, I think, isn't it? So you'd never like to guarantee that. But wow, that was fantastic. Old barn, gain planning permission through Park Q to convert and then gain planning permission to take the barn down and to build a new house. And wow, what a house and in a beautiful area, looked absolutely amazing. So yes, interesting path. We've um, we've just gained um, planning and we've, we've just started uh, building a house in Devon for a gentleman who had two, two barns, single story barns, uh, quite a large footprint. And um, we use this, um, this policy as a fallback position for a full planning application for a new house. Um, and we we provided a structural report um, through a specialist to to show that it was structural structural and um, could be converted. However, going with a new um, home was more a more energy efficient solution to the site. So the the council approved our full planning new design on that basis. So. Uh, we've done a, a lovely, it's actually a single story, fully vaulted um, home for a, a lovely couple. Um, yeah, really exciting to see that develop. Great, good. So, and finally, on this uh, point. <laughs> finally, um, you can go to, for a custom build site. So often they're done by uh, property developers and they're a great way of buying a site because you, they they the property developer themselves will probably... Um, be taking care of the infrastructure so they'll be looking after building the roads getting the services in um a lot of the time doing the landscaping so they may have um built up the landscaping for the boundaries so a lot of the time you you, you just have to um be concerned about how your lovely house this and getting that design is trip. a process close to my heart because as oakrites we are now entering the custom build market have been for the last five or six years and it is working really well, and I find mm, it quite mm. exciting that mm. you, we, we as a company are probably most well-known for the one-off bespoke houses. But whereas with the custom-built sites, we can build a slightly more compact house, but utilising all of the lovely style that you bring to your designs, and, uh, and also working with the customers to build a truly bespoke house, but on a smaller more compact plot, although the plots that we use are much larger than normal building plots. So you've got a larger plot than a normal um, house on, 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 on a development. And, and then you've got also the other advantage is we will design a completely fresh new home for you, which I'm finding is absolutely great fun and is really opening up the self-build market, isn't it? Absolutely. No, it's lo lovely to work with those clients. And um, interestingly, we, we as Oakrites have never built the same house twice. So although we have a lovely standard range and it's it's often something that we start talking about. So with, with the standard uh, uh, to talk about size and uh, style and so on, we 
we never take the same house and build it again. We we always amend things and adapt it to that particular client. But um, more often than not, we do bespoke houses that are yeah. unique to the, the site and the client. Good stuff. So moving on, that was types of plots. We're now going to move on to what to look for in a plot. Yeah, um, first point I have there, I think you need a connection to the sites. When, when you actually see a site, you want to be able to want to live there. Um, a lot of that said, um, I guess it comes with a bit of a disclaimer that some plots, when they're for sale, um, may look a bit untidy and unkept. So when when we're all selling houses, we we paint them, we um, make everything look beautiful, we hoover up, we 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 make it look stunning. Whereas with a, a, a plot that's for sale, it may not always look the most stunning. The, the grass may be unmowed, the trees and hedges may be unkept, but don't discount those. But the the, the the first point there is really about the feeling of the plots and wanting to live there. Um, for, for example, you know, the, 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 the example of that client going and seeing the view and wanting to buy it because they love it. It is interesting that, that you say that because I know on some of the custom build sites, uh, we, we have had or gained planning permission a few years ago for, um, well, all to, altogether um, 10 houses altogether on a site we're, we're selling seven of them at, at where our yard is and then we'd have these other lovely custom build sites where the fence is in the lawns are down it's manicured it's almost like a lawn you and you go and build your house and you can see exactly what what is going on beautifully laid out and you'd come to us uh, to, to our off our site and i say it's a little bit like the cobbler's shoes we're, we're preparing everybody else's sites beautifully but when you come to our site you need some imagination <laughs> because we haven't quite cleared the whole site we're on doing it now but uh, it was quite interesting that's a yes you do need to get some connection to the site don't you that's it, yeah, and it's exciting to see them develop in that way. Really, really exciting part of the building process. Um, the second point there, obviously, the first point was about feeling and loving that plot, but I think the second point is, and um, very importantly, is the practical point, point um, making sure that uh, you can get um, vehicles in there to construct a, a dwelling, um, to get materials and a crane um, in there. I've, I mean, I've, I've worked on sites where... Um, there's only boat access and uh, so there are ways and means of getting materials to a site um so yeah the the practical side of it number three um the the size of the plot so you you want to be buying a plot where you, you're not having too much garden if you if you don't like mowing the lawns um uh, but equally if you are a gardener you may want something that's larger for, for you um, then the next point there is to really look at the levels and the gradient of the site. So um, uh, generally, a flat level site is going to be easier to build on than a sloping site, um, which is uh, probably much more much more um, uh, challenging and costly. However, we've built some really really lovely properties on sloping sites. I was going to say, actually, you know, I quite like sloping sites, so yes. and, and, and sometimes the best looking part of any oak frame really is the roof structure, isn't it? Yeah. And if you get that sloping site where you can arrive up around to the back of the house at a higher level, have your garaging there, and walk across a bridge into the first floor level of the house but that's your living area mm -hmm. with those level and walk through a door looking out through a gable across a view because you're higher you're on a sloping side and then drop down the stairs to go to bed yes. I think can be quite exciting a bit unusual it takes a little bit of getting your head around and sometimes people to think about 
but it, it can make for a really striking, beautiful looking house. Absolutely. We've done, we've done some stunning ones on sloping sites and um, just just that where, where you're, you have that lovely open plan vaulted space that, where you really enjoy looking at the view and uh, get, retreating downstairs to your bedroom. And you can put things like utility and, and, and things like that out of the way or a cinema room, the, the, the parts that don't necessarily need the vaulted wow structure. I recently went up to visit uh, two houses that we built up in the Lake District. Uh, outside, you wouldn't really know they were oak frame, besides the, some, some glazing on the gable, oak glazing on the gable, beautiful stonework. You go in, and then you'd actually get the, those you would enter on the ground floor, the bedrooms are downstairs, mm. but you'd go upstairs, and then it's up on the side of a, of a, a steep bank on the side of a sort of a, a hill, a mountain almost. And you'd look down across the lake. It wasn't mm. Lake Windermere, but mm. it was close by. And you'd look across the lakes and think, wow, unbelievable views from your sitting room. You think, oh, you, I could just sit here forever. You know, absolutely wonderful. So yes, that by move upside down can work very well. Absolutely. Um, another thing to look for in a plot is the actual orientation of it, the movement of the sun. Uh, so the, the first thing I often do when I go to a site with a client, I, I get my iPhone out, I get my compass app and I look where north is and I know where the sun's rising and the sun's setting even on a gloomy day you know you know where that's going to be and you can start designing where those spaces where you want those spaces to be um I've got a colleague at the moment that's buying a site and he, his partner loves to barbecue and um they've spent uh, they they keep going to the site and at different times of the day and they know at the end of the day, they want to barbecue and they know exactly where to position that veranda for the barbecue. Yes. And I think that's lovely. It is so important, isn't it, that, that to where the sun is going to be in the afternoon when you get home from work. And again, that is if you're working, perhaps if you're not working, if you're retired, mm -hmm. it may not be so important. But I think to have the sun cascading into the garden onto a barbecue area in the evening when you've arrived home after work with a nice cold glass of white wine or a gin and tonic or whatever and you'll be in the sun whereas if you get the orientation wrong and you could find the position just does not work now my wife is a farmer we live on a beautiful old farmhouse the, the house is stone but with an oak frame inside but it is just the wrong orientation now it's a listed building so we can't change it but I am having to look at building a barbecue area at the end of the garden in a corner because that's where the sun shines in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. At the point on, on the house where you'd look and think, well, that would make a lovely spot, the sun isn't there in the evenings. So, you know, but if, we, if it was a greenfield site or a site, we were looking where we could orientate the house in any way, we would turn the house around, mm -hmm. have it facing the opposite direction so that the sun is shining down into the area where we'd like to have a, a barbecue in the afternoon or evenings. I think the beauty of being able to build your own house really it, it, it's just shown in in being able to do, do you can draw and you can throw those uh, drawings away until you get the perfect house for you um again leading into what to, what do you look for in a plot um what do you want in terms of style materials form um so when you're looking at a plot if if surrounding you are, are lots of single story bungalows and you want a two-story house you know that it may be a bit of a planning challenge so um you may may want to look elsewhere for a plot it, it's not to say you won't get that but um, and then i think in that situation it's how is your house going to look amongst all even if you did gain permission yes in amongst all those single story buildings there is an idea there that i always remember once uh, we built a house where it was single story. So what we did there was we dug down, built a 
full basement, but we also went out and created an Italian sunken garden. So when you drove along the road, the house looked not really a lot different to the other houses on the road. But when you went through the front door, you had all the beautiful area then with the vaulted roofs, the oak framing working really well. But then you would drop down through in the hallway down a set of stairs and have a lovely garden, sunken garden outside. Absolutely amazing. So it didn't look too different on the streetscape, so to speak. But actually, when you went in, you had a fantastic house, really very exciting. That's lovely. Now, the, the, again, things to look out for in a plot. Um, I think we've briefly covered it, infrastructure and services, making sure that there, there are those practical electric, gas, water, the internet, um, really important points. Uh, also, trees and vegetation around the sites. You, you, if there are already, already built up boundaries um, for privacy, Things like trees can actually add, add quite a bit to your budget and landscaping. So if it's already there, that's fantastic. If you can work those mature trees into the design and keep them is, is great, isn't it? Because yes. it takes so long to for a tree to mature. But if you can retain a tree that's on the site, it works very well, doesn't it? Look, look, it helps to, helps to, I think when the house is finished, it gives you a feeling of more completeness much sooner because you've got that mature trees and, 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 and the growth there, which helps very well. Absolutely, no, it really, really adds to the setting. Um, another important point uh, when you're looking for a plot is um, the planning, always check the decision notice, have a look through the conditions. Um, there will be pre-commencement, uh, prior to, prior to um, building commencement uh, conditions and uh, pre-occupation conditions, and importantly, informative. So have a look at all of that wording and make sure that um, you're aware of what you need to do in order to start building. Um, lastly, to look for in a plot, um, I'd say to speak to the vendors and see if there's any other drawings that you're not aware of that's available on, on the planning portal and um, if they have any specialist reports such as for trees or ecology. Um, and even walking the site with the vendor, they may tell you where drains are, where manhole covers are, yes. um, all of that kind of insider knowledge. Also, just look out for any um, constraints with them. They might know, may know of anything like underground tanks or asbestos in a building uh, or structure that you're looking to take down. Really, really important things. Yes. So, moving on then, researching a plot. Um, so, so to lots of footwork here. <laughs> so, to research plots, um, I'd... Um, advise you to look towards the planning portal again which is uh, available on all council websites have a look at the planning history for for a site um, normally goes back to about 2000 sometimes back to the 60s or 70s um, a lot of the time there's lots of some some may have no planning history um, in which case it's good to look at neighboring applications um, a very good point of reference is to look at the officer's report to see see uh, what sort of uh, local policy you may need to follow um, and also again looking at the decision notice and drawings on that planning portal so not only for the plot itself but for neighbouring um, properties is a really useful thing. Yes. Um, secondly looking into um, if there's any listed buildings either on the plot or um, or nearby so it, it could be that there's net um, a single story thatched cottage next door and you you need to uh, you may need to keep subservient to it so you you need to respect the existing heritage um the same with the conservation area that it could have that kind of um sensitive criteria there and indeed it could um 
it could be just outside of the settlement boundaries. So something to really, really watch out for in, in researching a plot. So I think this is where you need probably a team, isn't it? You need, you're hunting for the plot as a self-builder, but you probably do need to link in with a team or form a team of specialists or advisors. We're, we're always happy to help. And I know that you're always talking to people, aren't you? And, um, and from that, you just need that friendly person who's got the knowledge who can just sometimes just help to point you in the right direction isn't it so that yeah you know you're 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 going along the right path and don't start following or hunting for a plot when really there isn't much chance of ever gaining a planning consent absolutely i think it's um a lot of um um people we as oakrites will offer a free desktop appraisal so we'll look into uh, lots of things like the site constraints and really if um if a planning um if planning is possible for that site and we'll do that as a free service um we'll we'll highlight what we can do for you the kind of time scales that we'll take and um the specialists and costs that will be involved so i think it's really really um important to get a, a good team behind you to 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 assist yeah um there's all sorts of constraints that you, that that may you may need to look out for. So, for example, if you're in a flood risk area, there's a good um, on the .gov.uk website. There's you can see if it's a flood risk area. There may be TPOs on a site, tree preservation air, um, orders. I think my advice would be if it's a flood risk anywhere near, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider anymore. Yes. We got these yeah. flash floods that we get now and so forth. That um, it's uh, yes, it's not. You know, it, it needs to be. Make sure it's outside of that. Um, so, you know, to, to, if you're buying a house and you're thinking of knocking down a roof, you need to find has it ever flooded? And because sometimes you find it has, and mm -hmm. in that instance, then you don't really want to be. You know, or unless you can knock down and move. It only, sometimes you can only need to be 20 feet on the plot and just up a bank slightly and you're you're in, in a safe area and that could be a good plot because if that house has had that problem it might be more reasonably priced absolutely a really important uh, thing to to check out there um another thing is to if you're buying something with planning is to check if um sale contributions are payable really um as self-builders, um, you shouldn't be paying SIL contributions, but it is good to get a, a solicitor to check that out, that it's not been applied to that site and agreed to, because it yeah. can run into tens of thousands of pounds. Yeah, okay. Um, another thing is uh, to look at the neighbouring properties. So um, there's lots of, um, as designers, there's lots of rules of thumbs that we work to in terms of overlooking and planning guidelines uh, with regards to neighbouring properties. Um, but equally, when you're on that site, you don't want to have the sense of overlooking. You want it to be private for you. So, so um, a really important thing to to notice. Yeah. Um, the vendor's information they'll have. They may well have lots of information, insider information that's not actually written down or in documents um, through their solicitor. Going to them directly and speaking to them about. Um, for example, asbestos in existing structures, they may know about those. Um, one thing that we're always um, uh, aware of is a potential Japanese knotweed. Um, it's quite rare, but it, it could be on the site. And it, it now, can... do you find that is a vendor going to tell you that information? Do you think? Not necessarily, but no. it, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it on. Um, um estate agents website but they would give it yeah. their, they would put their okay so yeah, yes yeah. fine right that's good because there is some points there isn't it to take into consideration okay um and again conditions um that's all important decision notice if there if there is one there so 
the um, pre prior to commencement preoccupation and informative conditions are really important to check. Um, for example, it could be that um, it's in an area of archaeological interest and there needs to be a written site investigation and trial holes before you be begin um, a, a build and uh, just allow, allow that within your timescales and your programme. Yes, good, good. Okay. What else have we got there? Yes. So on researching a plot, um, as specialists, we also, we understand there's there's different policy to um, adhere to in the country. There's the MPPF, the National um, Planning Policy Framework. There's the local plan and there's often uh, neighbourhood plans. So plenty there. Um, so lots of national, regional and local policy to follow. And sometimes there's uh, things called design codes that are inherent to the area as well. So all, all sorts of uh, specialist planning things to 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 um, look out for in researching a plot and knowing what kind of design may be likely. Yes, good, okay. So if we go now, um, how to buy a plot? How to buy a plot? Well, I think, well that you'd think that'd be quite straightforward, wouldn't you? But um... I think the first point there is to have a good financial advisor. So um, you need to really look at, um, at what your budget is, what your build budget is against the land cost and um, know that that asset, asset value is worth um, buying within your budget, overall budget. Yeah, and you've mentioned build store there, which would give you good advice on how to buy a plot. And uh, we, we've worked with build store quite a frequently and have found that the advice has been good and very helpful for people absolutely no it's, it's really good to get that specialist financial advice and absolutely that that company have been really useful in the past with our clients um i mentioned it's really good to get a good conveyancing solicitor um you do need need to allow uh, enough fees for them and uh, to cover stamp duty for the actual land purchase um we've mentioned the solicitor will check i think this is sorry I think this is different when we're, we think about buying a house and mm -hmm. lots of solicitors deal with buying a house. And we have found that it, that is different to buying land to build a house on. And you do need to find a solicitor who understands buying land to build a house on. Yes. And, and you need to ask that question, do you deal in this type of business uh, and this type of conveyancing because that will make life easier going forwards for you and speeds things up I think doesn't it absolutely I think they 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 know what to look out for there could be covenants on the deeds there could be uh, ransom strips rights of way issues land registry issues and they're 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 trained to look out for these things so it's really really worth going to a specialist conveyancing solicitor yeah absolutely um Buying land is is like buying a house. There, there is um, an exchange and a completion, um, and the solicitor can talk you through that uh, process. And it does take time. I think the one thing you need to allow, it always takes more time than you can ever imagine, doesn't it? And I, yes. I find it so frustrating for people. And you think, why does it always take so I know when I've been someone selling plots, I've been... I've been a willing seller and I'll have a, a willing buyer who has got no chain and it still seems to take a long time to complete. But um, but there we go. That's that's I think that's what you need to accept when you're when you're going into the self-build process. You need to know it is going to take some time, don't you? So yes. but there we are. It's all all part of the all part of getting to that goal at the end, which is your dream sort of self-build oak framed home. 
Yes. I th um, an important one is if you, if you find a piece of land where you think you could get planning on it and you, you don't own it, um, rather than going through an exchange with those um, those owners, it could be useful to have an option agreement with them to go through the planning application and have it legally drawn up that if you achieve planning on that, the, the sale will go through and you can pursue it that way. But you're, it means that you're not wedded to that piece of land uh, should yeah. planning not be you possible. You get first option, don't you, really? Yes. And the option, I think, that's a great idea because if you see something which you think might have a chance, you don't know for definite. So you would, you would accept that you're going to cover the cost of making the planning application. You'd have a contract drawn up with the, the land owner the, uh, and also a figure agreed because obviously if you gain permission on that piece of land, you're adding a lot of value. So you need to agree a figure, agree the option and a time span in which you will purchase the piece of ground once you've gained planning consent. Um, and once you've got that contract in place, you can then pursue the planning, work with your team to hopefully gain the planning permission. And if you do, you've got a figure agreed, which will normally be a slightly more reasonable figure than if the customer or the owner had gained planning permission themselves and putting it on the open market. So there is a benefit. You are spending up front, but you are getting a benefit if you gain the consent with your option, but you're getting a slightly discounted rate on that plot, which mm. can work quite well. And yes. that has been, uh, we, I've done that a couple of times and that has, that has worked well, been successful fortune, I'm glad to say so. But there we go. So, and you've got down here auction. I think we spoke about uh, an auction earlier. So we, we know that on that, you should go through the legal pack, isn't it? Absolutely. No, it's really, really key to do that. Really important. And then finally. Um, yeah, che checking that decision notice. Um, can't uh, stress it enough. Just making sure that you're looking at the date of the decision notice. Um, seeing that there's a condition there probably to start building within um, three years and uh, knowing if that's been implemented or not. So you've got enough time if you are redesigning to to um, put in that planning application. And that's an interesting one. You think three years, that's a long time, but actually in planning to get a really good design together, it is quite surprising how many people come along and they, and, they, and you suddenly find, crikey, we've got six months left on the planning consent. We better get our skates on if you want to change your design. Yes. And yeah. it's funny how time just seems to slip away, doesn't it? So if you gain your planning consent, you've got three years. If you want to change the planning for whatever reason, if you're buying a plot that's got plan how much of that three years has elapsed how much time have you got and you know get, get your skates on and, and really get get to putting together the design that you would like for the for for the site and get back into planning isn't it absolutely yes yeah lovely so we'll move on here we go here's a list the specialists to a point for your team so this is a uh, it should be able to run through this reasonably swiftly, but who do we need to appoint when we're building a team for okay. to aim for finding our plot? I think the first first point is uh, you want to employ people that you like. It's a long process uh, that you go through in the build process and, and you want to enjoy working with those specialists. Um, you also want to be able to trust them to do their job. There, there could be fast decisions that you have to make and, and you could be otherwise engaged at work and it, it, otherwise engaged on holiday and you need to know that you you're, you can trust that specialist to work on your behalf for the, for, for the good of the overall project and yourselves. Um, you often need a team that think on their feet. So uh, sometimes, again, in uh, particularly in planning, there may be decisions that need to be made, made or drawings that need to be amended and, and issued quickly. So you need um, a proactive and experienced team. 
So it's a team also, quite a experience, reasonably compact, I would say, so you, you can have that ability to think on your feet and, and yes. get things to happen. Uh, you don't have a great long chain of command, you want to be able to find the pro encounter the problem, come up with a solution and try and put some action into place immediately to get back to the planners and keep just keep the process of the planning process rolling along don't you keep the momentum there yes yeah no you you, you um not only need to engage in say if you meet an architect or a designer and you get on with them you need to know that they can actually liaise with other specialists well their team members well so that there's a good um teamwork connection to 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 deliver the results and then here we are we've got yourself Helen. we've got architects yeah, I the think, architectural team. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's important to um, if they are doing um, planning and if they can continue to do building regulations as well. It, that continu continuity can be really really helpful. Um, so when you're thinking of your specialist to a point um, continuing the service, you've probably established a rapport with them, and they they will have a lot of um, in depth knowledge of your your site and your brief and, and your project by well, the time they get to the second stage. You mentioned architect, architectural work and building regulations. And I find within a team, that normally tends to be different types of people, doesn't it? You get the, the design architect who has yes. the grand vision and then you get the technical architects or the technical team who are making it all work, don't you? And you need that team who work together on that front to work within harmony with each other where you have the, the technical team who understand how the visionary architects work and can bring their visions to life, isn't it? So that's a, oh, so it's not just one person, but it is it is a team. And then you have the planning specialist. So this would be your planning consultant, I suppose, wouldn't it? Well, it could it could be the architect themselves. You know, yes. we we as Oakwrights um, are are a planning um, specialists. We we have um, we have dealt with many planning applications. There's a lot of experience there, but it's also knowing when to bring in that uh, consultant specialist. So it it is we we don't bring in consultants when they're not needed. Um, but if they are needed, I think they're they're absolutely worth paying for and and appointing. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's fine when not needed, but when you need them, you need the best, don't you? Yes. So yeah, very important. Good. Yep. Um, the other things uh, you'll need as part of the the design team are a topographical surveyor, and there may be uh, normally to to take uh, land levels, building lines that are already there, trees, uh, boundaries, and and all of that. Um, a drainage it all comes uh, in three planning and building regulations and, and uh, helps us to create a, a really accurate um, accurately designed building um, there will be other specialists such as for ecology trees flood risk highways there may maybe those and, and again your architect or designer can can advise when when or if they're appropriate and then you've got build structure and uh engineers and the you so the build structure is the building regulations but the engineers the engineering of well initially it was the engineering of the foundations isn't it to make sure that everything works there and then the engineering of the oak frame and the structure but uh on your plot at first it sometimes it can be i think ground conditions can't you, you just need to understand if you're you could find a plot that is on the site of an old and we have built houses where there have been old dumps or tips. I mean, all covered over now. Look absolutely beautiful, lovely spot. 
but what's under the ground, you do need an engineering report on what is under the ground. Mm -hmm. I think we're currently working on one house, I think it's down in Essex, isn't it, where the foundations are absolutely incredible because the ground was sort of made up ground on where there'd been an old pond, I think. And so we're having to go down very deep foundations um, to, to, to build the foundation, to build the house off. So quite a major work. So that's where you need a really good engineer. And again, when you're looking for your plot, you need to understand what is the history of that plot, don't you? So uh, the more history and the more information you have, that will reflect the value of that plot. But it might be if it's just an amazing position and you're willing to accept those challenges to create your home in a spot that will look fantastic when, when complete. Absolutely. I think, yeah, um, one of the reports will be a geo geology report, a soil report to, to look at those conditions and um, also percolation tests to look at the, the drainage. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, designing the, the engineering um, for the builders is important. Um, and also a team that can have a network to do um, predicted energy calculations, SAPs and finally EPCs at the end of the build. Good stuff. And then we have, uh, once you've got your building plot, your final one there is the, the project manager and principal contractor. That's the builders, the people who actually bring the, bring the project to life. So you've found your plot, and then you've got to bring your building team together. But I think that'll be for another story, that we won't do. So they're yes. part of a team, but that'll be uh, as, as another story there, the, the principal contractor and so forth. And then we've got, so you've hunted down your plot, you're looking for a plot, but really... As you're looking, you need to think about the way you live and uh, how you'd like to live, the style of home you like. So you've got here, start your design thinking. I think it starts as soon as you start looking for that plot in a way. Um, because when you when you have found your plot, things will happen really quite quickly for you. Um, so it's nice to actually have some things in place to be able to bring your uh, to your designer um, to help to help move things along for them to, to understand what you need from 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 the brief. Um, and it, it may well understand once you start um, considering, for example, your wish list, what kind of spaces that you, you want to create, it may start to uh, refine your plot search. Um, so the two work hand in hand, really. Um, one thing I'd suggest in your wish list, you know, you can start thinking about the number of bedrooms you want, you want the kind of living spaces, maybe some other things like hobby rooms. Um, we have we have all sorts. Of, it doesn't matter how the kind of minor detail that it is. It all does um, uh, get thrown into the melting pot of, of design. So uh, we, we do take wish lists really, really importantly. Um, so I think it's just important to say that it's... It, it's um, it's your opportunity to design something bespoke for, for you and the site. So um, don't feel that you have to be railroaded into standard designs no. or um, cookie cutter designs. You can actually create something that's unique and bespoke to you. And, and that can be simple. Um, yes, absolutely. It doesn't, doesn't mean that it has to be complex. Does sometimes almost in a way clean ultimate simplicity is almost more difficult to design than something quite complex, isn't it? Because yes. Making that look really good, making it look work really well, is quite a challenge. It can be, and I think I think a lot of the time it's in in the detailing of that that kind of sleek design and and making the flow of the building um, work well too. Um, another important thing is making sure that um, all of those rooms are uh, usable that you're designing. So, I'd. I, off the top of my head, I thought of three different clients that came to us where they gave us quite unique 
briefs and we we designed quite unique houses for them um one was a, a farmer that would um come in from a day's work dirty with his overalls on um and he he'd come into the side entrance of a house where, where he's he's coming into the mud boot room kicking off his wellies with the dog the dog goes and lies in the bed and um he needs a space to to put all of those dirty things and goes into the wet room and showers off before before he comes into the before lovely his wife will allow him in the house yes <laughs> and, and all of that process is once we know about it once we know that kind of lifestyle we can design around it and we can yeah. design spaces for all of it um another example is um a lady a businesswoman coming home from work uh, enjoying a glass of wine in front of a fire um coming in through the front door taking off her her coat and shoes and and there being a cloak cupboard there to, for for the to shut it away um she goes into her her, her front room and um uh, there's a lovely wine uh, store there so she can she can choose her her lovely glass of wine and and um there's a log store so she she's starting to to put on the fire and that's that's again part of the lifestyle that she enjoys and it can be designed i always remember we built a beautiful house over in suffolk one of my all-time favorite houses actually and uh the lady wanted an open fire and we don't really build open fires very rarely anymore but she wanted the open so you come into the front door and she required the hallway to have a, a lovely open fire at the end, a big open fire. And I was a little bit reserved about this idea. I must say, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure. But now that it's been built, when you go back and visit, and, and in the winter, if the fire is going and you, you can walk in, and if you're having a party, and she, this lady and her husband do really enjoy parties and socialising, so when the guests arrive, they walk in, and in that hall that open fire and there is nothing quite like an open fire and it works so well I wasn't quite sure but that is back to your wish list see she had really thought through how she wanted that house to work mm -hmm. right from the very start and because that wish list was quite explicit in its detail we could work through the detailing and to try and bring it together exactly as she would like and and, and there again they did have a lovely wine store at the end of a kitchen so it wasn't down below it wasn't in a wine cellar but it was a chilled room so you would look a, across the kitchen into these lovely glass sliding doors and you could see the champagne and the and the wine all 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 at the end of the kitchen looked amazing so so as a entertainment house you walk in got the fireplace your 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 guests are greeted you then glide into the kitchen sort of social area before you move to sit down to have your have your meal and there you could see the wine and it all lit up and looked at uh, magnificent I think tying it into um, you know how how this relates to building it on the plot, um, we're thinking about those kind of spaces and where they would be appropriate in terms of uh, orientation and where the sunlight's coming in. So, um, the the farmer, for example, with the, coming in through the mud boot room, that's probably on a side elevation um, where where it doesn't need oak or it can be in a structural softwood um, space. So so. Um, all of that comes into the plot orientation and consideration when you're actually buying a plot. Um, the other the other things that you need to um, think about are um, the the style of materials. So what what sort of materials are in the area? If you're if you're wanting a stone building and all of the the other buildings around you are brick, um, it's it's 
it may be unlikely that you can get stone. It, it could be that it is in the context, but again, that's where you might start looking into the design code and other precedents to see if 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 um, the materials that you long for are actually a, um, a vernacular to your area. And then it's if you, I suppose, in that you could perhaps go for an ultra contemporary, but almost go right away from the vernacular of the area. Um, now. I know within our architectural team, we have team members who love ultra-contemporary. I suppose me, um, being from a, a, a farming background, my family were farmers, I, I tend to be a little bit more conservative in how I, how, how I like my designs. Um, but there are ways and means, aren't there, of a way you can sort of gain the house you, you desire. If you're like myself and you like that probably a little bit more uh, conservative design, I would call country contemporary, but as far as I will go on the contemporary side, personally. But then I realise that if I'm in a certain area, it's going to be a stone facade, probably. Another area might be render. Another part of the country might be brickwork. But then I also understanding that if you want to really push the boat out, you can go. I mean, we have designed, we built some beautiful contemporary homes. I always go, I'm absolutely amazed by them. But for me personally, I return to my farmhouse, and I think that's probably where where I am. But uh, but that's there's so a wide spectrum of designs and styles, aren't there, within the that we can design within the team. That's the thing. I think it's it's so lovely. Um, what the products that we we do, it's so versatile and adaptable. We can actually change the style and the materials. Um, to suit not only the the plot that you're buying, the area and the context, but also for for the the client themselves. So what what do you like? And and um, so start start thinking about it at those early stages. Start start collecting precedents, and also make sure you go with firms that can give you uh, case studies and give you that reassurance that they've built good quality, um, beautiful homes. So so um, they they you you have that reassurance as well when. You, when you do get that plot, you can run with it. Well, Helen, I will say without my prompting sheets, I probably wouldn't have managed to have uh, asked you all of those questions. And crikey, that is just that is just the that is just finding the plot and and uh, designing or how to go about starting the design. We haven't really we've got lots more stories to tell, I think, haven't we? Yes. So, what is the favourite part of your job? Finally, what do you think you enjoy most about your job? Gosh, I love. Um the variety of it so every day is different um i th i i i love design i love architecture i love drawing which is um what what brought me into architecture but um i would say working with people working with people's dreams and making them come true i Great. think it's um it's wonderful so thank you very much, Helen. I'll just uh, recap the, the principal points of what our discussion was so that you can look back through the podcast and find the points that are most appropriate for you. Number one, plot finding introduction. Number two, how to find a plot. Number three, types of plots. Number four, what to look for in a plot. Number five, researching a plot. Number six, how to buy a plot. Number seven, specialist to a point. Number eight, start design and thinking. Well, start design and thinking. There's certainly been a lot to think about there. And I'd like to thank you for your time of listening to our podcast. And if you would like to subscribe, there will be many more interesting topics coming in the future. So Helen, thank you very much indeed. And thank you.